Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. Uh, we are back once again to get through the week of Nuggets news. And, of course, plenty of news this week as the season is officially kicked off. It is here. No more debating the point guard rotation. No more wondering how many minutes Josh Childress is going to get. Those days are past us, so this is going to be a good show. Uh, excited to announce, too, the Pickaxe Podcast, now officially part of Nothing But Net Radio, which is part of the Dash Radio Network. So we're uh, we're really stoked to be doing a partnership with them. And you guys, of course, can hear this every Saturday morning on the Nothing But Net Radio, internet radio station. All right. So without further ado, let's get into our two co-hosts. First from Littleton, it's Mr. Dan Lewis. Dan, what's up? Not a lot. Just enjoying some regular season basketball again. It's it's nice, right? You can uh, you actually have a sense of caring. My life has purpose again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, also joining us on the pod is Evan Fiala. Evan, where are you at these days? I'm in Dallas. Down in Dallas. I couldn't. Re- I was yeah. like, is yeah, he yeah. in Dallas or is he in Salt Lake? I was, and I didn't want to screw it up. So. No. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Dallas. <laughs> Well, what is what is uh what's it like down in Dallas right now? It's not too bad. It's still like eighty five degrees. Oh. But uh, if you're talking basketball, though, Dennis Smith Jr. is kind of the talk of the town. He, after what? one game, so after yes, you know what? I think uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Man, he's one of those guys I was really high on coming out of the draft. I think he, um, I was kind of surprised he fell all the way to the Mavericks. I think he's going to be a really good player. <laughs> So I am I'm in on that hype train. There are a reason that bad yeah. teams are bad. Yeah, that's that's also fair. Um, all right, well let's so here's what we're gonna do for our show. We're gonna switch it up a little bit. Uh, we're gonna start. We'll start with one section, then we'll take a break, then we'll get to two, maybe three sections. We'll always leave the last one as a as a maybe. So um, we're gonna start out the the big news of the week. 
was Richard Jefferson. He signs. It's all official now. We can finally stop saying allegedly. Richard Jefferson signs with the Denver Nuggets. And uh, just as big a news, probably even bigger news, is that Jameer Nelson is waived to make to make space for Richard Jefferson. So I want to dive into that. That's what we'll do before the break, and then after, uh, let's get into let's get into the first game of the season against the Jazz. It started out really well, did not finish. I think how anybody wanted. Um, and then, of course, it's a Saturday morning, and we got a game tonight. We'll uh, if we got time, we'll get into a little bit about the Nuggets and the Kings in the game tonight, um, and that'll be the show. So. Without, I don't want to say without further ado, I already used that line once, but moving into it right away, we're, uh, let's get into Richard Jefferson. Dan, I'll throw it over to you first, man. So, Richard Jefferson, he's 37 years old. Um, are they hiring him to just be a locker room guy, or is, is, is he going to get minutes in the rotation? I think there's a really good chance that he's going to get some minutes. Um, I'm still not quite sold on Wancho's availability to play, especially at small forward. Um, I, I think yep. he can be a small forward. I just don't know if defensively he's able to do that right now at this point in his career. Um, and I think it also gives the Nuggets another option on the wing. You know, they, they their their best lineups have, with Jokic have always included a stretch four, someone like Danilo Gallinari or Wilson Chandler at power forward. Um, and this gives them an opportunity to play Wilson or Wancho at power forward alongside Jokic and put Jefferson at small forward. Um, and I think if you watch the first game, you saw that while Will Barton can slide down to play small forward some, uh, I think the bulk of his minutes are going to be at one of the guard uh, spots in the rotation. Right, it's certainly, yeah, that, uh, and, and I definitely want to get into that uh, a little bit later because it's, you're absolutely right. Will Barton, uh, I, I, for all the talk about him playing small forward and being a small forward, he, it seems like he's definitely going to be more as, as one of those guards. I agree with that 100%. And that's kind of why, you know, they, they, they tried they tried to really get Wancho that feel of playing that small forward. They, they made an emphasis in, in, uh, in Summer League. They, they did it. We saw it happen in the preseason. But um, I don't know. I think he's... he's he, Here's the thing about Wancho is he's on offense. He's still fairly limited to just kind of being a spot up shooter. I mean, he's got a little bit of skill with his uh, with, with with driving. He's he's a decent cutter. Um, certainly, though, not like a like a Gary Harris or anything like that. But where he's at his best is catching and shooting the ball. And I don't with at the small forward spot. I just don't know if that's enough. Like that that's a much better spot or a much better skill set for a stretch four, like you were mentioning. Um, Evan, what about you, man? Do you think Richard Jefferson is going to be in this rotation? I think they definitely brought him in more for the locker room stuff. I think he was, that's one of the things he said today. He was excited about, uh, being able to, you know, mentor a lot of the young players, but he will be good insurance for the, for the wing position. Uh, that's kind of where there's been some depth questions going into the season, Right. You guys already mentioned Tuancho's limitations, and uh, you know Dan brought up a great point about being able to maybe slide Chandler and Wancho down to the four and and open up the offense that way. So I think he should be getting some minutes for sure. Um, but but yeah, having a having a veteran, uh, you know, an NBA champion on the roster, it never hurts either. Right, right, yeah, and I mean, you obviously you lose uh, Mike Miller in the off season. Um, and, and even even Gallo, I mean, granted Gallo is not an NBA champion or anything like that, but uh, another a veteran guy. So, 
I get. I, I think you, I I kind of agree with you guys both that, that it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a combination of both things. Now I'll say this: I don't think. I mean, he's. I don't think they're gonna play Jefferson more than maybe like fifteen minutes a game, right? I, I don't. I don't see him being a a twenty minute, twenty plus minute game kind of guy. So I think it's just <laughs> gonna be more in spots. Um, but you kind of look at what they did with with. Uh, with Wancho and with Freed, those guys combined for 12 minutes in that first game against Utah. And I, I kind of feel like, okay, so those 12 minutes, that'll be essentially the 12 that'll go to, um, that's going to go to to Jefferson, which which makes me a little bit concerned about Wancho, but that that we can get into that a little bit later. I, so, I also think, though, that go ahead. in addition to his on-court play, uh, this is one thing I've brought up when I'm talking with Nuggets fans about Richard Jefferson, is that... I mean, he, he can still play. Like you're saying, I agree with you on the you know 15 minutes a game, maybe. But he is also right. another great locker room hire. Um, one thing I think that's kind of kept me personally from getting too attached to the this current Nuggets team is just that they're kind of a boring team. Um, they don't really have too many personalities. And the personalities that do, like, get exposed to the, you know, to the fan base... They're not really personalities that I can connect with, or they're kind of a jerk. Um, not naming like people like Freed or anything, but like uh, it's it's, oh, it's hard it's hard for me to connect with them because he's just such like, such a sourpuss all the time. But like Richard Jefferson is a really approachable, um, has a great personality. Um, he's a great follow on Snapchat, rjeff24. Um, you know he has his podcast that he would do with the Cavaliers. Again, he's already. Hey, hey. Already doing the, pumping it up. Yeah, I gotta be the hip young guy, I guess. But, uh... <laughs> um, I, I need to add him back on Snapchat. I deleted him. Oh, he's he's great. For oh, one. see, if, if <laughs> I, he like, listens I, to this, man, it's gonna be, it's gonna be trouble for Evan. Now. But, I know, no, I gotta, no, see, I, I gotta correct myself now, because, like, I had him after, I think after the Cavs won their championship, I added him, because I saw something on social media about, oh, how great of a follow he was. But then I wasn't really, like, impressed or invested enough in it that he was always like kind of clunking up my my feed there so at any rate going, so apologies richard but now that you're a nugget you're back in going, going back you're back, going, you're back in evan's circle going back to the point i was trying to make though that like i think one thing that he can do is try to take some of these younger guys and be like hey look like it's okay to be a fun person like to have fun to interact with people like let your personality shine like this playing in the nba is an awesome opportunity it's a lot of fun I mean, obviously, it's a it's a business. This is our jobs. We have to work hard, but like we can also, like when we're not working hard, and there's moments like we can enjoy this. It doesn't have to be such a grind. Um, and like, right. and the more we bring in like people that are associated with great players as well, people like Mike Miller, um, people like Richard Jefferson, and we show them like, hey, this this can be a good place for NBA players to, to come to, and not just ones that are like 37 years old. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's that's the yeah, hope, right? but like I, the, I think that can work that can also make a difference too. That was one of the reasons I wanted the Nuggets to sign Dwayne Wade. It's just like, you know, adding some personality and some like leadership to the team. I think that'd be huge. I think I, I've read some things the last few days. Like, I think it was Millsap who said something along the like he was asked how he fits in with the team or whatever, and he kind of said, "Oh, like, you know, the locker room's pretty quiet." And, no one's really like stepping up to like, I don't know if you're talking about leadership or what, but it, it I've definitely gotten that vibe as well. And I think, I think that's a great point, Dan, that, uh, that maybe he will kind of make things more, 
loosey goosey around the locker room. You know what? That's a that's a that's a vibe. I would say I definitely one hundred percent get um, being in the locker room as well. I mean, they just they they just are. They're all guys who um, almost just like introverted. You know, they they keep to themselves. All of them really do. And, and what's uh, what's funny is one of the guys who didn't um, or was one of the more outspoken guys in the locker room was was Jameer Nelson. Um, and now, of course, he is the guy who they who they wave to make room for Richard Jefferson. So. Hopefully, hopefully Jefferson can fulfill that uh, that role as well as well as the leadership role that he'll be replacing that Jameer kind of occupied. Well, like, uh, um, did you did you guys see Russell Westbrook's Halloween costume with Nick Collison? I did. Uh, like, oh yeah, was solid. like I I don't think that there's anybody on the Nuggets like any two teammates that would do something like that. Like I I don't even know who would throw a right. Halloween party, but like I bet you money Richard Jefferson would probably like be down to do something like that. Like. The Nuggets need... Fareed would do a fashion show for <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, oh my gosh, him and Will Barton. But, like, <laughs> oh. the Nuggets need, like, people to make th- this collection of 15 players an actual team. Like, guys that care about each other and, like, spending time with each other. Like, because that chemistry will help reflect onto the court. You know, they're going to want to succeed together because they enjoy each other's, like, company. And I, I really don't think that they have that right now. Yeah. It'll help but, them connect with the fan base too. I mean, like people love that sort of stuff. I, like the the Westbrook and Nick Collison thing was a gold mine on social media. Right. You haven't you don't really see anything like that from Denver. No, it's it's a great point. I mean, when you think about it, there is there's it seems like there's just a bunch of guys just kind of you're right doing their own thing. I mean, maybe like uh, Moutier and Harris. I mean, they seem to be pretty good buddies, but um, but they're also again they're both really really introverted and really standoffish at least from with the media so yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting angle i hadn't really thought about that but um i'm excited i mean i'm just excited because you know maybe maybe we can get maybe we'll make richard jefferson the first the first non-denver stiff to be on we'll see if we can get him on the pickaxe podcast (laughs) that'd be awesome we'll have to make him we'll make him an honorary stiff for a day um, all right, so I want to I want to get into into the second part of of this this transaction, which is which is the releasing of Jameer Nelson. Um, Evan, we talked a little bit about about what he's going to leave leave the team in terms of leadership, um, in, in terms of kind of being a more a guy who's trying to keep a more relaxed locker room and, and do stuff with the team, um, build that chemistry. What though? How else does this? I mean, because the big thing that worries me about releasing Jameer Nelson is the actual on court. Um, risks that you're taking. I mean, how big yep. Of, yep. of an effect is that going to be to the Nuggets not having him available in the rotation? It's a very, very risky move when you have a team like this that's poised to you know, go to the playoffs and hopefully make some noise there, but then relying on two extremely young and inexperienced players running the point. Um, you know, I have... I have no problem starting Jamal Murray. I wanted him to to earn the starting point guard role, but having Jameer Nelson on the bench, uh, even behind Moutier, was always kind of like I knew someone there would be be able to come in and uh, you know with with has you know experience running a team and stuff. He'd be able to come in and and kind of set things right in case something did happen to Murray or Moutier or or not just injury related, but you know they're turns out they're not actually as good as we think they are right now and right um so that's definitely the risk the risk we have here is that you know what if murray and moody aren't ready to to really step up like that when denver needs them to 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's I I, I agree one hundred percent. And it's it's a, it's a situation where it's like when they if they have those those times where they're really struggling, like it, it was nice because I agree with you. Like I I I, I thought Jameer probably was going to be the backup, and that Moutier was probably not going to be getting minutes. Um, but if it had been reversed, I, I was fine with that too. But it, the, the thing about it is, is I think you need Jameer. Um, or he was that safety blanket that you had in case these guys get into spots where they're just struggling, where they just can't get out of their funk, like we kind of saw against Utah, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and and not having that veteran to come in and just steady the ship, it, it's tough, and I think it can cost you games, like we saw in Utah. So now you've got to look at this team and and a team who's trying to make it into the playoffs. Where last year they missed the playoffs by, they were only one game back of Portland, effectively missed it by two because of the tiebreaker. Okay, if you give up, so if you're giving up two, just two wins to to see how it goes with Murray and Moutier instead of playing Nelson, that could be the difference from you making the playoffs or not. So I'm with you, man. It strikes me as a totally risky move. Um, Dan, do you, do you tend to agree with that line of thought? Uh, I mean, I was a little disappointed. I was actually hoping that Jameer would be the starter this year. Um, oh, and man. I know it was a very unpopular opinion um, amongst the Denver Stiffs commenters. But, uh, um, you know, Jameer was often criticized because he was Michael Malone's safety blanket. Like, he could put him in and it'd feel good because he could trust Jameer Nelson. But, like, I think, it, you know, I'm going to stretch back two years now for Nuggets fans um, when, when Moody was the de facto starter just after being drafted. I just remember so many times watching, um, especially Danilo Gallinari, um, when Emmanuel Moody would make a mistake or like run the play incorrectly or something, and Gallo he'd pass the ball to Gallo, and Gallo would just look at him like, "You're such an effing idiot! Like, I can't believe I have to play what with this fool, you know, who has no idea what he's doing." But like, when you put Jameer in, like, and you know, I'm gonna go like, you know, old sports writer hot takey kind of thing right here, but like. You need someone in point guard that knows how to play basketball. And, like, if you've played basketball before, you know how comforting it is to the rest of your team when you have someone that point guard who knows how to handle the ball, can shoot, isn't going to turn the ball over. You just, like, just get the sense, like, okay, you know what? Like, he's not going to screw up. We're going to be okay. But, like, if you have someone at point guard who's just, like, making mistakes, blowing wide open layups, can't make threes like dribbling the ball off his foot on fast breaks you're just like we're screwed and you just lose hope so right. fast and you're just like i like like it, it doesn't even matter like and then if he passes you the ball you're like i'm not passing the ball back to him screw that guy like i'm just gonna try to do something on my own and instead of playing as a team you're just five individuals on the court and four of you hate the one guy and the one guy feels bad because he's letting everybody else down like we didn't have that with shamir like when we had shamir on the court they could be like you know what this guy he's been there we trust him. Like things may not go well, but like we at least know that he like doesn't have his head up his ass. Like, yeah. Like, and so Dan is coming. You didn't make a joke when you said the old man hot takes. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I think I think that's what the Nuggets are going to miss about having Shamir is that like they can put him in, and all of a sudden, the other four guys on the court are like, oh, like. We know Jameer, like he's got our right, back. A, but when they go to Jamal Murray, it's like, oh, like this guy's played point guard like less than a hundred times, and like he right. can't even buy alcohol, and now he's supposed to lead our offense. <laughs> like, 
it just it just like affects you it just affects you and it's not like a numbers thing it's just this like feeling when you step onto the court with someone that's inexperienced yeah no i mean it's and i i definitely get what you're saying especially especially with gallo um yeah he was really and, bad and about to that. Like, <laughs> right right i think it to it to affect a lot of a lot of the veteran more veteran guys um felt that way and and, and that's the thing about Moutier that makes it tough is because like you want to pull for him i mean you, you want him to succeed and you want him to be everything that he was built out to be but i mean once again we just we, it's the same mistakes that we keep seeing um and obviously it's early i mean we're only one game in um but but i just thought it was very it was very funny because exactly kind of what you were saying i mean they didn't they didn't have that cohesion and they didn't um the offense kind of just totally sputtered there when Utah was making their run, and that that I that was something I think if he had had Jameer Nelson, it might have been able to it might have gone a different direction. All right, let's wrap up this. Let's wrap this up um, on this free agency bit. Evan, I'll go back to you, man. So now we we see the move for for Richard Jefferson. They wave, wave Jameer Nelson. They still are fifteen guaranteed contracts. Is this the roster that are they going with this group? For do you think for for the the rest of the season, or or is there going to be another move at some point before the trade deadline? I think it's pretty set for now, but it, I think it also depends on you know how well the team is playing or not around you know the trade deadline after the new year and whatnot. Um, I I think if we were going to see this is there's the thing I don't like about this move, which which we kind of talked about, like if it were. Last year, and this would have happened, I'd have been all for it because that last year was kind of seen as you know a de- developmental year for for Murray and Harrison and Jokic who came out of nowhere. Um, and so it was kind of like okay, like that the Nuggets didn't make the playoffs, like it sucked, but it was still like okay, well these guys learned they'll be better next year. And then we go out and sign Millsap, and kind of the vibe is that you know Denver's all in, um, so. So signing Richardson and waving Nelson on that regard doesn't really make a ton of sense for me. And the other vibe I've gotten is that the front office is very high in Jamal Murray still. Um, right. I think yeah. I think if the opportunity had presented itself, or I don't know if it did or not, or if they were even trying, but uh, to to get a different veteran point guard in the offseason in trade or whatever, you know, Kyrie or Bledsoe, um, I don't think Denver would have made as much effort as the fan base thinks they did to right. be honest that I obviously they don't know anything but I don't think they they tried as much because Murray they're high on Murray uh, so if they really do like trust Murray this much I think they're going to roll with him right now I don't know if any other there might be some like smaller consolidation moves that happens right salary dumps and whatnot but I think the core roster is is where it is but if they're really bad like surprisingly bad and they need to do something in the trade deadline that could happen as well. Yeah, I, I mean, if they were if they were just really bad and it got to the trade deadline, and you were looking at it and it's like, ah, it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. Um, they're, they're They'd probably, probably try and move Chandler or something, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I say. You, you might you might try and move Wilson Chandler, get something for him because because you know you're not going to go anywhere. But that uh, that would be that would be a pretty catastrophic, uh, pretty catastrophic scenario. I think there would be a lot of changes there, but. Um, 
I, I, I like, I, I think you, the, the guy that we talk, we, we basically be talking about here, um, in terms of big moves is like a, a Kenneth Freed. Cause I agree. Maybe they could do like a salary dump, um, uh, for with like Darrell Arthur, um, or something like that. But I think it's, it's, if, if you're going to say, if your answer to the question is yes, I think they will make a move, uh, sometime before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline, then it would probably have to be, you would think Kenneth Freed because, because of the whole, he, he he wants to be a starter, obviously, or I mean, I'm sure he wants to get more than six minutes a game, um, definitely, and and he he's got the skill set to be a good bench player on on a lot of teams. Um, I don't know if he's if his skill set is is much more than a guy for a specific role in in today's NBA, but he's he's the guy I think if you're talking who who they're gonna move. Um, it might be him. What, Dan, do you would you think that Fareed would be the most likely guy that they would move if they're going to move anyone? I mean, I wish we could move back in time and not tr- not re-sign Mason Plumley, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that uh, so I think I, I don't know. I really I like Fareed, and I think he I think he deserves minutes. But uh, especially with this with the team the way they are now, they they need that energy guy. But uh, I think, I don't know, I think I, I really agree with Evan that, like, if there is going to be a move, it's it's kind of a worst-case scenario. Things have just gone so downhill, and they're just like, well, this year we don't have it. Like, let's try to help, you know, improve ourselves for next season and right. get, get something back from one of these guys. But I don't really have a lot of hope in that happening because... You know they were in that situation last season, and they didn't do anything with any of their players. Uh, in fact, they they added more salary by by trading for Mason Plumley and um, kind of committing to re-signing him. So I I don't think we're going to see much roster change. I I would really 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 like to see the Nuggets trade for Eric Bledsoe. Um, I think the Suns are just going to be really brutal, um, just really really bad this year. And I, I think, yeah, they, they were really bad. But I think I think the Suns would be foolish not to, to move blood, so they're obviously going to be really bad, and they need to try to get rid of all their good players for future assets. And, you know, at this at this point, like, if, if I'm the Suns, I'm calling Denver up and be like, hey, like, we said lottery protected one to three, you know, like, and you said no. How do you feel about that protected 2018 first pick? right now you know like just calling them every yeah. time that murray and Moutier have a bad game it's like hey you can have eric Bledsoe. just give us that one to three protection you know on our on your next first round pick so i almost we'll tend see. to think though they might yeah I, I, but i think it's almost like like what evan was pointing out that that the, the nuggets feel are, are so high on Murray that they, they feel confident enough to where they're just not going to make that move because they're going to be like, nah, we think Murray's going to figure it out. It would have to be, I don't know, they, they would have to be getting pretty desperate um, one way or another. Well, maybe maybe if, if they're playing Will Barton 35 minutes a night at point guard, some, someone will get a memo up to the <laughs> to management and like, be like, this cannot continue. <laughs> we need We need an actual point guard. <laughs> Someone who has played the position for maybe yeah, Paul Millsap some, can walk some, up, yeah. walk up, and be like, "This is BS." Like, uh, I didn't sign yeah. here. <laughs> I don't think he would for this. Except he's, I, I think that's very. He's unlikely. just taking his paycheck, though, so he'll be fine. Yeah, that's what I say. They're gonna be like, "Paul, we're paying you thirty million. Don't worry about it." 
Shut your damn mouth. <laughs> right. All right. Tell you what. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and hit the break. Um, when we come back, we'll let's let's, let's really dive into that game against Utah because uh, I think there's a lot to let to unfold there um, and and analyze. So we will hit a break and we'll be right back. all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Laurie. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlaurie.format.com, that's P-O-R-T-E-R-L-O-R-I.format.com. Give him a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in, but I can't escape my can't escape my skin. everybody, welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. By the way, I didn't mention this at the top of the show. I want to give a big shout out to everybody who came uh, to the Stiffs Night Out down there at the Celtic back on, um, was that Wednesday? Yep. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, everybody over there at the Celtic, we had a great time. Shout out to the Nuggets. Uh, Rocky was there and the dancers were there. They gave out a ton of tickets, a ton of cool prizes. Um, it was a great time. It's one of the one of the most fun times I've ever had watching a Nuggets game. Um, so appreciate everybody who came out for that. Um, 
let's get let's so let's get into this next part of the show, which which is I want to talk about the game that the game we went to this night out for, which was which is the Utah game. Uh, obviously, the Nuggets they, they they looked really good for the first three quarter, first two and a half quarters, um, and then there right at the end of the third quarter, um, and, and then certainly into the fourth, the things just got away from them. They freaking Joe Johnson, man. So he, he hits that he hits that buzzer beater. It was like he banks in. I think it was a three pointer that he banked in at at the buzzer. Um, at the third quarter, and that that kind of just took all the air out of the Nuggets. You could just kind of see it. They came out, then they came out into that fourth quarter. Alec Burks is just lighting them up, and and, and next thing you know, it's like something like it was like a twenty-seven to three run um, by the Jazz, and suddenly they're down by like fifteen points, and they lose it. Um, Dan, what happened? I mean, how did they let that that just completely get away from them? Well, I mean. Uh, hopefully you're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast in addition to this one. But the Jazz went small, uh, put Joe Johnson at the at power forward, and the Nuggets countered by um, playing Mason Plumley and Paul Millsap at power forward. And it was a matchup that the Utah Jazz won. And um, Michael Malone tried to put Nikola Jokic in early to try to um, in early in the fourth quarter to try to end that run but it was it was uh wasn't effective you know that they right the jazz were just killing the nuggets with small ball and alec burks and joe johnson just went on went nuts against the nuggets defense and the nuggets well i shouldn't say the nuggets defense the nuggets defense was okay the fact was that they they were turning the ball over literally every time they went down the court and uh that was just giving them super easy looks in transition they were getting dunks and layups so that really hurt them and next thing you know they they i think they had like an eight point lead and then joe johnson banked in that three and the next thing you knew it was like a 24 to three run and right the jazz were up by 15 and suddenly it was over and it was like and they just they couldn't i mean they, they put a little fight in there right at the end but uh at that point, it was it was all but but a done deal. The thing that too that was interesting about that was with when he when you had Plumley and Jokic together, I thought that that's where their defense really got hurt because they the like you said they had Joe Johnson at the four and and there was just yeah Jokic just could not could not defend um, Joe Johnson at all, which which we've known that we've known that for a long time. That's why that's why it didn't work with with Yusuf Nurkic or one of the reasons that it didn't work with Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic. Was that because you have to, you have to put Jokic on on a four, um, especially a small ball four? He just does not he does not have the lateral quickness to defend a player like that. Uh, and there's and, like and we, there's a ahead. TV commercial right now. I can't remember what it's for, but it's like making fun of people that continue to do stupid things. You know, like banging your head against the wall or like getting your arm stuck in a vending machine. Like they should add Michael Malone playing two bigs. Like, <laughs> continue to play Jokic at the four. Continue to enjoy doing dumb things to yourself. You know, <laughs> it is. It's true. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know why. Why? Uh, it was just another one. Evan, what about you, man? What did you take from that that kind of meltdown there in the fourth? Uh, one of the main things I took away was that the Nuggets are. I don't. I don't want to use the term like soft because I think they're like a step up above soft but they're definitely like they definitely do not react well to to the defensive intensity that utah had um kind of like this is kind of a tangent but it kind of reminded me of uh 
you know, remember the Titans, you know, they're it's the good high school football team and then in like the big playoff game or something, they're like they're kind of in the game the whole time, but then their coach like gives this inspirational speech and he's like, "Oh, they don't gain another yard. You blitz all night." Like that's kind of how I felt like Utah acted to start in the fourth quarter because they were like they were playing good defense or a good def- defensive team, but something happened in that fourth quarter where they were just like on the Nuggets the second they crossed the half court right. line, uh, that caused so much frustration and like I think there were like ten turnovers in the fourth quarter committed by Denver. They had no idea how to react to it. They kept just scrambling on offense, trying to trying to attack, and they'd get stripped and take bad shots and everything. Everything went wrong for like those first four or five minutes in the fourth quarter that could have gone wrong, and they just yeah. they just had no reaction to it, um, and that's where they lost the game. They, you know, they the rotation. I don't know if the rotation would have mattered, but it certainly didn't help. But you know they when you have no way to respond to to the intensity like that and you just kind of fold so quickly, then that's a, that's a really big red flag for me. Right. Yeah. It's uh that's a, that's a great point because I 100% noticed that as well with them is that they had this, uh, they just had this, this situation where they, they, they got, they got kind of, you know, it's like, it's like a boxing match, right? They got, they got a big punch. They got knocked back on their heels uh, and they, and they couldn't counter punch. They just, they, they were just completely dazed, and it looks like they, they didn't know what what the, what was happening to them um, as it was happening. And then by the time they figured it out, it was too late. And I think um, that's that's something that, that I think they got to figure out. They got to figure out who's going to be that guy, who's going to be the guy um, who does settle them down, who does maybe get them a big bucket when they need it. Because uh, because you know Jokic and I don't want to beat Jokic up too much because I mean he, he had a, he got pretty close to having a triple double, but. Um, it was just he he, he kind of he went that second half almost the entire second. I, I don't know if he got a single point in the entire second half, um, and it was it was one of those moments where it was just like you you want if he's going to be the star of the team you want him to be the guy you say okay you know what right now where Alec Burks just had another three suddenly the Jazz are they've tied this game up let's just get the ball to Jokic and know that he's going to make something happen to get us a bucket. That's that's something that they gotta find because they need it in the situations like we saw against the Jazz. They're gonna if they make the playoffs, they're gonna definitely need it then as well. So um, something though, obviously it's game one, plenty of time to figure that out. But it's something definitely to be watching uh, as we move forward. Another thing that I think is really interesting that I want to watch um, is Will Barton and the minutes because we, we kind of hinted on this before about how he's probably gonna play uh, a bunch of guard minutes instead of maybe at the small forward where we thought he was going to play. Um, and, and he ended up playing 31 minutes last or, or against Utah, and, and he he played a lot of that at point guard. Even when Moutier was in there, Moutier was typically operating a lot off ball with, with Barton on ball. And then there was a lot of times where it was it was like Barton um, and, then, and then the rest of the starters, right, Gary Harris and, and Wilson Chandler and, and Jokic, and then maybe either Plumlee or Millsap. Um, in there, so Dan, I mean, is this is this something you think is that we're going to see? Is it, it's like Will Barton now the new kind of Jameer Nelson? He's going to be the one closing out uh, the games in the fourth quarter at the point guard position. Well, I I wrote about this last year, but I've always been a fan of like Will Barton bench point guard role, um, where you just take Will Barton and you stack a bunch of three and D guys on the wing. 
and then a big center to get rebounds, dunk, and set screens. But, like, because against second units, that's really effective. Like, you just get a bunch of guys that can prevent a bunch of not very good players from scoring. Let Will right. Barton cook, you know, and he's going to be able to get past so many people off the bench and then just play, like, really good defense on the other end. Um, but, like, yeah, Will Barton looked he looked great in that role. Um he think he went like seven for seven in the first half. He didn't right. even miss a single shot. He started out really hot, and then I mean, like everybody on the team, he he cooled off there in that in that third to fourth quarter. Um, Evan, what about you? Are you like? Do you think that's the way that they should go? Maybe at least until Murray or Moutier really show something that, that Will Barton is the guy they should go with at the point, especially down the stretch. I don't think they really have another choice, to be honest. Right. <laughs> but. uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, like as long as he's playing well, like obviously when Barton is on, he doesn't miss. So that's, that's fine by me, you know, but then there are times when he kind of like becomes a ball stopper, uh, which in crunch time, if he's the one, if he's, if he can go out and get that bucket, you know, like looking for someone to step up, he's not afraid to do that. Uh, so if he's going to be the one to do that, then, then yeah, that's great. But at the same time, I'm not sure what the point is of really having, you know, you know, we're high on Murray and all this stuff, but then we're just going to play Barton at point guard now. Like, why don't you there just was, go out There was a definitely a possession in the fourth quarter because um, they kept Will Barton there for so long. And he got the ball, like, at half court, and I was just like, uh-oh. Because he was just like, screw you guys, I'm going to the bucket. And, like, the whole the whole Jazz defense just collapsed around him. And I was like, duh, Will, pass the ball. And he... He definitely went up and tried to, like, go off glass or something. Yeah. I think he got blocked or something. But it's just like, I mean, he, exactly. he's good at that, like, attack guard role. But, like, he can't play, like, big fourth quarter minutes in that role. That's that's why he needs to be a sixth man. Like he's perfect for the sixth it man. It's probably right? better to put Jamal Murray or, you know, someone like, well, pretty, pretty much just Jamal Murray in at that position. Because, <laughs> like, you know, they, they, really, they, the they really needed someone to, like, yeah, like get into the paint, but then to pass out to like Gary Harris or Wilson Chandler, you know, because the Jazz were like, oh, this is easy. Bard's just going straight to the rim. Like, we'll just suck him in and then collapse. And uh, it worked for the Jazz. It, it uh, that, that it did. Um, yeah, it's. Uh... I, you guys forgot the great point. Like Will Will Barton is, uh, we we know what he is, and he is he is a great uh, a great volume uh, scorer. And when he and when he's on, he he can really make it uh, he can really make it happen for you. As we saw uh, in that first half against Utah, when he was he was lighting it up. Um, I think I'll tell you this. I think if <laughs> he he suddenly is at the very top of my list for Sixth Man of the Year candidate because I think he's going to continue to get this thirty plus minutes. Because, uh, like you guys said, uh, we don't have much choice um, as far as playing him at the point and getting him minutes there. Um, as well as he can also play; he's going to play some shooting guard, and he's still probably going to play some small forward. And and we know the guy can score points, right? Which which that's that's pretty much what people just vote for on these awards. So uh, that that that's mm-hmm. one thing I definitely and he he wants to that. get paid, and that's right. And it's a contract year, so it's. Man, you, you, you're hearing it here first. Will Barton, sixth man of the year. Um, <laughs> Here's a question. Here's a question about right. Barton. Do you guys think, uh, based on the game, you know, the Utah game, 
He had a 21 points in the first half. He was phenomenal. Did some of his success mask like how good we think Denver's offense was overall? It just in that first, day, it just in you just talking. Yeah, about yeah. Because I mean, they were because you know I I think Denver looked pretty good in the first half, but I, I'm wondering how much of that yeah. was they were winning because just Barton well, couldn't Barton miss, so or were they actually like? I think I think it was more. I think it's a combination of Denver's offense right now is a little clunky. Like they they don't really have right. that good of chemistry, especially with their starting lineup. And, but also the the Utah Jazz were at home, and their defense is really good. Like right, I so I think I think it's a combination of the Jazz's defense is really good. They're playing at home, and the off the starters are a little clunky. But like, yeah, I mean, without Will Barton going haywire and like Gary Harris didn't miss it in the first half. Right, he was, right. So he was like, the only without other those one. without those two guys combining for whatever, like, 30-something points, like, you know, they miss half their shots, which is still, like, a 50% clip is pretty good. Like, the offense yep. would have been – it would have been a pretty bad blowout. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I, I, I do think, Evan, that it, it, it definitely – yeah, it definitely sways your view of that first half if Will doesn't play the way he did because other than Gary Harris, nobody was really doing anything um, on on offense out there, and, and it, it – it was just funny because you you don't notice it too because they were doing a pretty good job uh, at least in the first quarter they did a good job defensively on Utah yeah. and that and that helped them get out get out in front and then and then it just they just kind of started coasting and riding that Will Barton wave um, and then when that died out suddenly it, that's what suddenly went all it all fell apart on them um, so I definitely yeah, I would say it definitely definitely affected the the way we looked at that game. Um, Dan, any other any other thoughts on the rotation uh, that you want to get in before we, we move on to the Sacramento game? Eric Budso would look really good in that starting lineup. <laughs> <laughs> he would, he would absolutely. But um, oh, like you said, I think I think though the so the interesting thing about the rotation, we sat here and we're saying, yeah, I think they you know they really like Jamal Murray, but the only game he only played twenty minutes. Um, because they they played so much so much Barton at the one. I mean, Emmanuel Mudiay only played it. He played 19 minutes. So that that I think is something that's going to be interesting to watch. Because you when they got rid of Nelson, you kind of figured, okay, they're going to play. Their Barton's going to get some minutes of the guard. But I don't think you were expecting him to be the guy who's going to get the majority of the minutes um, at, at at the point guard position. But he almost um, he almost did. Because like I said, a lot of those Mudiay minutes. Were, were actually him playing off ball and Barton mm-hmm. was was the ball handler. So I think that was interesting. Also, that the Juancho Hernan Gomez. I mean, like I don't know what's up with that. Why he only ended up getting six minutes? He got him and Freed both got in in that second quarter for like this one, you know, this brief spurt, um, and then and then that was it. We didn't see him back in in the second half. I thought that was a little bit interesting. I don't know how well. you can bench someone on the Nuggets for playing bad defense. Like, <laughs> just Where, where's the double standard? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't play just Paul Millsap out there, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, tell you what. So we've got uh, yeah, we got some time left. So let's um, let's 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 get into the game that's going to happen tonight, which is the Sacramento Kings home opener for for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, if you guys are listening to this live. Uh, you'll make sure to want to check us out over on Facebook. I will be down there uh, doing our live videos uh, for the warm-ups. We always do a good Q&A session there 
um, so you guys can chime in. We can we can we can talk hoops while we watch the Nuggets warm up, um, and then uh, I don't know who's on the who's on the the, the, the preview today, but um, go head over to DenverSips.com and we've got a. It's Gordon. All right, so yeah, head over to DenverSips.com. Gordon's got our preview um, of the game, all the information you want to know, except for except for the the starting lineup table because I think we scrapped that this year because Gordon was such a adamant. Uh, <laughs> he hated it against it. <laughs> <laughs> he was he pounded the if he pounded the table for one thing this year it was to get rid of the table in the preview articles, but still a lot of good stuff in there. So check it out. Um, all right, so I'll be at the well, game. Dan, Dan, that's right, because Dan got hooked up with tickets at Stiff's Night Out. That, Ooh, uh, nice. Yeah, he did. He did. He, it's uh, that's that's why you got to come to these Stiff's Night Out. It's, they 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 were. They, I mean, they were giving them away oh there at the gosh. end of the night. It was like sh- they were just walking around like, "Hey, you guys want some tickets?" And so she was like begging me, cool. "How many <laughs> tickets do you want?" I'm not usually like exactly. upset about living out of town because like I've been out of Denver for like seven or eight years by now, but like. When stuff like this happens, like I don't have anyone to watch the Nuggets with, I watch them by myself. And so, like when there's these big events and the Rockies there and they're giving away all this free stuff, I get I got way jealous last night. Was, <laughs> or Evan was just sitting there in his home, all all in the dark. It's like I was I was the Millhouse skiff where he throws the frisbee to himself. <laughs> yes, uh, I love it. I love it. All right, well, let's get into this game because it's um it sh- it should be exciting, right? It's the home opener, and I think I personally am really excited or intrigued to see uh, see De'Aaron Fox and see him go up against uh, Jamal Murray. That's uh what two Kentucky guys, right, going after each other on that one. So yeah, um, that'll be fun. Evan, what about you, Manny? Are, are you looking? Are you excited? Are you looking toward? Is that like the marquee matchup to be looking at tonight, or is there is there another matchup we should be paying attention to? Uh, I can't really think of anyone. <laughs> It'd be fun I to see Vince both, Carter, I, I guess. <laughs> the the Buddy healed uh, Jamal Murray. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, six for seven. That's, that's a great. Point. That'll be good. Six for seven, and well, right, and Buddy healed like. He was. What did he say last year about he, something about how he was, um, he was the best shooter in the draft or you know, I don't know. It was something that I was like really something like that. And then line. Murray torched him in the world game or whatever, and then <laughs> that was his, awesome. On, that was in New Orleans, he was right. He was still on oh, New yeah. Orleans and <laughs> days, days like, before <laughs> he got traded, or like a and day yeah. before. I think the coach, the coach of that game, said that we're gonna get Buddy healed the. You know the MVP of the game, and then Jamal Murray just goes on, gets on fire yeah, in the third quarter. That was awesome, and knocks him out of the of the running. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That's a good point, um, Dan. I like that. Uh, I like that matchup. I'm also trying to figure out who else is on the Kings that maybe we'd want to look at because because you're right. We got what old man Vince Carter and old man Zach Randolph, um, and then and then George Hill. Old man George Hill, but they got some young guys. I mean, they got um, they got Scal. He's he he torched the Nuggets uh, last season when they remember remember the Nuggets played the Kings right after they they traded Cousins, and um, oh yeah, they got they got they got blown out actually yeah. by the well, by this yeah. ragtag unit of Kings. I, players. I just want I did want to point out one one of my favorite players um, from a couple in the draft a couple years ago was Willie Cauley Stein. He's yes. he's kind of been buried on the Kings depth chart, but. He got to start in the the Kings' first game because um, Zach Randolph was out with an injury, but uh, he put up twenty one and ten with three blocks, um, had four offensive rebounds, 
So, like, they kind of just let him be like, hey, man, just go crazy. And uh, they he did pretty well. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm kind of excited to see, like, how Jokic goes up against Kali Stein because, like, we all know that Jokic struggles against, like, really athletic bigs. But, like, Kali Stein's really inexperienced as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Jokic does against them. And, like, the Kings are also one of those teams, like, last season – the Nuggets always had a really hard time beating them, and I think part of that is just because they're like they play up to their competition level sometimes, and they play down to their competition level sometimes. But like right. the games against the Kings are always really personal for Michael Malone, right? And yep. so I'm, I'm interested to see how Malone does, you know, against it's, it's the, the Malone team that he curse used to coach for. He's still yeah. he's not now he's beaten the Kings right, but he just hasn't beat them in Sacramento. Is that it, or is he or is he still winless against the Kings entirely? I think they beat him once. I think he won once. What, right, maybe he finally last maybe, season. I think yeah, you're right, he got it off that month. Maybe off twice, but not certainly. They've lost more than they've won. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, well, it was the thing I know for a while where he hadn't um, he hadn't beat them. Um, that's right. That you know the thing about Willie Cauley Stein is you look at a guy and you're like, man, how nice would it be to have that guy in Denver? Like he is perfect um, for what you want to do at like altitude and and uh, and what you would want to do. If you want to of... watch some uh, fun YouTube videos, you can look up Willie Cauley Stein high school football highlights because he played wide receiver for his high school team. Nice. And it's just this like six ten guy like sprinting down the field and catching deep routes. And you're just like, good lord! Oh, what? I bet he was good at that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He, he was like the uh, super version of Randy Moss, basically. Um, <laughs> just this long, super long and lanky guy running. Just down these poor like high school defensive backs, just like <laughs> holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> these poor like these kids who are like five foot, five foot nine, five foot ten, trying. To, uh, yeah. Oh, that would be videos. funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look that, look at, uh, look that one up. Um, all right. So let me, let me ask you guys this. Uh, I'll go to you, Dan, on this one. How, how important is it for the Nuggets to get this win tonight? Because, the, because of the loss to Jazz, because it's the home opener. Um, is this kind of one of those? I mean, obviously, it's not a must-win game. It's game two. But is it, is it carry more importance uh, than maybe another regular season game would? I, I think it really does because. Like, you know, the Nuggets really aren't a big story in Denver, and they lost their first game, but it was on the road. Um, and the Jazz are a pretty good team, but like, they they should, with the expectations that are placed on the team right now, like by the players and by the media, like they should be able to beat the Kings. And mm-hmm. if they do, and if they like win in resounding fashion, I think that might be enough to like kind of get a little flame going for their attention in the city. And like right. the Broncos aren't very good, the the Rockies and they're really are, boring. To the watch. Rockies are the Rockies. The Avalanche are bad. Like there's just this like <laughs> opportunity waiting for the Nuggets to kind of take advantage of like this lull in Denver sports. And if they come and they get like walled by this team with a bunch of scrubs, where they're just like, "How are the Kings beating you? They're so bad." It's just like all these fans that are like waiting to kind of see if the Nuggets are going to be any good. They're just like, oh yeah, they're bad. Uh, you right. know, I saw them on the news and they got beat by the Kings. And you're just like, ugh. Like, another lost season and we're going to be like bottom five in attendance again. So I think if they can win, I think 
it'll it would do a lot it'll do a lot of harm if they lose i don't know how much good it'll do if they win but i know that losing will be very bad right yeah that's kind of i agree 100 percent like um I, I to me they they need to get the win just because exactly they it's like this opportunity to capture the city, and they they need to get into a hot start right out of the gate, and then and then even for your for your um your more diehard fans, I think everybody's a little bit uneasy after what happened in Utah because it was just like it felt so much like this is what we've been watching for the past two seasons, um, and even though we've got Paul Millsap and and Jokic is the man and everybody knows it and, and Murray is fully healthy, it looked like man this is this is the the team that's gonna maybe. Maybe just barely try and scrape into the playoffs. So I think not only do I think they, they need to come out and get this win, um, I'm looking for style points on this one. I am. I, I think it's a game they need to come out and they need to show, hey, we are a team who's going to be very good and we're a team who's going to protect our home court, which they haven't done um, in the past. Evan, what about you, man? How, how important do you think this game is for the Nuggets? I'm on the same page as you guys. I think for it's about as must-win as you can get, I would say. You want to get the fans back in the arena – it's going to be, what is it, like the Legends Night thing they're doing where they're bringing back yeah, all those yeah. guys so that you know there's going to be people there. There's going to be Nuggets Legends in attendance who will want to see their team do well, you know. Like a lot of them have been in and out of the of Pepsi Center and practice this off season and whatnot, saying they support the Nuggets, saying like they have high expectations as well. Like Denver's got to win. They got to, they you know, they just have to. They have to not implode like that. They have to... It would be great. The best thing that could happen is that they'd go out and just dominate the Kings like they should. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was I was thinking as well. Like, you you need to go out and, and prove that you are – I mean, you you are on paper uh, the much better – not, not – I mean, you're better, a, a better team on paper than Sacramento. You need to go out there and play like you're better. And it's your home opener. Um, so you need to go out and, and, and play your best. And, and if you do that – you should win this one going away, um, which I think is important because the Kings, the Kings are. I, I like I like what the Kings are doing um, right now. I think they're they're trying to make that culture change, kind of like the Nuggets did a couple seasons ago. But uh, and and they got a good good combo of youth, some exciting youth, and then and then some veterans to kind of guide them through. But they 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 remind me of where the Nuggets were like two seasons ago. So that's a team that the Nuggets now should definitely beat um, beat with ease. Um. Any any other thoughts, Dan, Evan, on on the Kings? Well, uh, actually, gotta wrap this up. So uh, I don't I don't have any more thoughts. We gotta go. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it. We had to, we had to kill about thirty seconds there, and Dan just did it for wow. us. So we're good to go. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. You guys are gonna want to. Um, as always, you want to make sure you follow us at uh, at Denver Stiffs on Twitter, on Instagram. We are at the Denver Stiffs. Um, Evan is at E.E. Fiala on Twitter. Uh, Dan is at Minuteman Dan. I am at Zach Mikosh. Also give us a follow and a like on Facebook. Like I said, check us out. We'll be doing the warm-ups uh, tonight on Facebook Live. So you want to get over there, we'll do a Q&A, and you can see you can see that pretty shot from Wacho. Um, Evan, Dan, appreciate you guys being on. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good one. Have fun, fun tonight. Both of you. All right, everybody. We go, go Nuggets, right? We will talk to everybody next week. Shut up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.